0: Welcome to Greatness, where the world's leading thinkers share their ideas about how to create greatness. Great leaders, great teams, and great organizations. Why be good when you can be great? This is Gretchen Gagel, and I am so excited to welcome author Carrington Smith to the Greatness Podcast. Welcome, Carrie. Hi, Gretchen. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, Carrie's in my uh, my uh, undergrad state of Texas. We share that uh, you started at University of Texas, and I started out at SMU doing my engineering degree there, which all my engineering friends in Texas thinks, think it's hysterical that I got an engineering degree at SMU instead of University <laughs> of Texas. Um, so, it's always good to talk to somebody in Texas. And Carrie, before we jump into your fabulous book and your life's work, I love asking people how did you get to where you are? What, what in your life journey inspired you to write this book?
1: Wow. Um, writing the book, you know, for years I would write short stories, kind of wanting to share some of my life experiences, but I never really knew, like, why they would matter, or who would care, and it wasn't until COVID hit that I just had this clarity where I felt compelled to write this book. And so people would ask ask me about some of the things I share in the book. Like, how could you do that? Did you hesitate? And I said, no, because I had this absolute clarity that this was something I needed to do. And not for me, but as a gift to humanity, to other people who I felt were struggling because of COVID. And I felt that my story might help them in some way. And so that's why I wrote the book. And the, the real story that I guess why I wanted to to write it is because my life story is really one of resilience. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, when COVID hit, we all saw people respond differently to how that happened. I like to refer to it as a universal trauma. Mm-hmm. And it, up here in the States, we had lots of people's recycle bins full of liquor bottles and wine bottles. They were just sort of um, uh, numbing themselves to what they were experiencing for me because i had already experienced so much trauma throughout my life i had developed very strong emotional resilience and had gone through this whole life journey and process where i had become to understand that with adversity came opportunity Mm. and so for me when COVID hit my response was oh my gosh this is like the Great Depression or the previous pandemic. This is one of those moments in history that is unique and special where half the Fortune 500 companies were founded during the Great Depression. You know, these moments are when, you know, great innovation happens and there's new growth and new things are generated. And so when it happened, I immediately saw that. I recognized that. And so I actually was like, wow, wow. You know, while I was scared because there were so much unknown, I saw it as an opportunity. And I also understood because I'd already been through so much that I would get through this. I had no doubt. I was kind of like, bring it. And so for me, my approach was very different. And so I shared my story so that other people could also experience, you know, could take away from that.
0: And you're very open about sharing your story that helped you create that resilience in your life. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, the first trauma that I really talk about in the book is uh, when I was raped in college. And, you know, that's something whenever I hear people talking about life experiences and like, you know, how can you find the good in that? I mean, there's certain experiences that just seems impossible to have a good takeaway from it. And, you know, I I really had to process that and came to the realization that every trauma that we have is, you know, as opposed to shoving it under the bed and pretending it didn't happen, first we need to acknowledge it, experience the grief, you know, go through the whole emotional process. But once we go through that and we've kind of done some work, if we can view it as something that, as opposed to something that was done to us, view it as something that was given to us, and as part of the fabric of who we are, we can then take this horrible event and use it to propel us forward. And so for me, part of that was realizing that because I'd been through this rape and had survived it, I actually had this quiet self-confidence and had developed this emotional resilience that was a benefit to me later in life. Mm. And so by embracing what had happened to me, I actually was able to draw from it as opposed to like with most people, we like to pretend things didn't happen to us. And then it does a lot of harm because we don't deal with it.
0: I, I think you bring up a really excellent point. It's actually something that I've been um, reflecting upon a great deal is that we're kind of, um, I shouldn't say we, that's a generalization, but um, in life, we are at times encouraged by our parents or whoever to suppress our feelings about things. And as you said, we sweep things under the rug and we don't really deal with them and they fester inside of us. So that's that's one thing that I think one, one lesson here is how do we go through a grief process when something traumatic happens to us? And the other, I saw a speaker years ago and she put two words on a, on a flip chart victim and victor. And she said, you know, there's only a couple of letters separating these two different words. Are you going to be a victim? Are you going to be a victor? And she had gone through um, something similar. Um, But I mean, easy to say, but very challenging to do. And there were other traumas in your life that I think built upon your resilience and your ability to have this viewpoint.
1: I think, you know, one of the things that has served me well through life is my love of reading. And, What I tend to do when I feel overwhelmed is I'll curl up with a book in my bed. And luckily, I have a very broad, I've read a lot of different books. And one of the books that really helped me was Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Mm -hmm. And for those of people who aren't familiar with it, Viktor Frankl is a um, survivor of the Holocaust. And while he was in a concentration camp, he came to realize that uh, while he could not control what was being done to him, he could control the story that he told himself and how he received and processed and handled what was happening to him. Mm. And he was able to reach a place where he felt pity for his guards. And I like to say there is power in pity. If we can get to pity, suddenly we're removed from being a victim to feeling powerful again and when we understand that we are, we never do lose lose control. We still retain our power, and th- that we retain our ability to process and the story we tell ourselves. That takes us from being a victim to being a victor. Hmm. So, and reading his book and understanding and, and marveling, how is this man who's watching his whole family die and all these people going into the gas chambers, and yet? He had did two things, actually. He pitied his guard, but he also found empathy for his guard because he was like, you know, can you imagine being in charge of the suffering of all these other people? And so the fact that he was able to reach those places, it's just so it just left such an impression on me and helped me to kind of pull myself out of my grief and view things differently and really take hold of this idea that the story that we tell ourselves is determinative of the outcome of our lives mm-hmm. and if we can control that inner narrative that's how we win
0: yeah that inner narrative it's going constantly too, right it's oh uh, yeah we all have it and it's going constantly so let's talk about the book blooming finding gifts in the shit of life i love your title thank you in and thinking about this trauma in your life You talk about reframing, which we've um, just been talking about, like reframing the story that we're telling each other. What are some of the other key themes of your book?
1: One of the other, uh, well, it's kind of, it's similar. With with adversity comes opportunity. Mm. And that is a bit of the reframing thing too. And that is also that, and these all kind of dovetail together, but mindset is a muscle. And so one of the things that I have learned is that just like our muscles on our body. If we don't continue to flex it, we lose it. And one of the reasons that my emotional resilience was so strong and I was so well prepared for COVID when it happened is because I had been regularly flexing that muscle. Now, sadly, right? I mean, (laughs) that I had to go through so much, but on the upside, um, after my second divorce, that's when somebody said to me with adversity comes opportunity. And I was like, whatever, you know, (laughs) I don't want to hear that right now. Um, But when I realized if I focused instead of on everything that I had lost and the disappointment of a failed marriage, and instead focused on the fact that I had a clean slate and an opportunity to start a whole new fresh life, oh my gosh, that's exciting. Mm -hmm. And so I went from being depressed and sad to being excited about this whole new opportunity in front of me. And I realized that every time something bad happens, trust me, I'm not the toxic positivity person. You need to feel it, grieve it, experience it, all of that. But if you can have that glimmer of hope, knowing that there's something, something, some way positive that that can come out of this, or there's some opportunity here. If you can train yourself so that even as it's happening to you, you immediately go there, you get there so much faster. Mm. And so one of the ways I like to um, talk about this is there's a great story in the book where I was at the Bellagio uh, watching the fountains with a friend and we were sitting outside at a restaurant overlooking the fountains. And just as we were about ready to get up from our dinner, or I stood up to get to be done with my dinner, the wind caught one of the fountains just right. And the fountain came over me like a tidal wave. I was drenched from head to toe. My girlfriend was still under the umbrella of of the the table. And so she's looking at me expectantly like, "Is is our evening shot? I could see this look of expectation on her face. And I realized in that split second, I had a decision to make. And that was how was I going to view this event? Was it good or was it bad? And so I asked the people around me, I said, has this ever happened before? And they're like, no, this is the first time that's ever happened. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, so what are the odds then? Right. I mean, this is, I've been baptized by the Holy water. We're going to win tonight. And Mm -hmm. so I immediately ran upstairs, changed very quickly. We had one of the best nights we've ever had in Vegas, Mm -hmm. but it was a split second determination on how I was going to view that event. And That happens to us all day long, every day, again and again. And so it's those micro decisions and us training our brain to quickly find the good that can actually change our complete outlook of our lives.
0: Great. That's such a great story. And those micro decisions and they do happen all day, every day. I've been working with an emotional intelligence coach for about eight years um, and am a huge proponent of that thinking. what tips do you give your readers on how to do that? Uh, Once again, and, you you know, I'm sitting here in Melbourne. When you talk about resilience, we uh, I think we still hold the record, although there are other there might be other cities still in lockdown um, in other countries. But we were in lockdown for 240 days here in Melbourne where you could only leave your apartment for, uh, well, in my case, a high rise apartment for an hour And not only could you only leave for an hour, but you had to be exercising. So if they caught you sitting on a park bench, it was an $1,800 fine. So it was a very stressful time. What tips do you have for your readers on how to take the fork in the road that's the positive side?
1: Well, I really emphasize that it is sort of training the brain. And Mm -hmm. so every time we have one of these moments, it's saying to yourself, wait a second, is there a way I can view this differently? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, another example I like to use is like when you get a flat tire, you, I mean, we all collectively kind of go, oh, this sucks. I'm stuck on the side of the road. This is terrible. But if you instead go, okay, wait, I just got an hour in my day where nothing else is going on. I have a great excuse to be absent from the busyness of my life. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is an hour I can call that friend I've been meaning to talk to. Or maybe this is that hour where I can listen to that podcast I've been meaning to listen to and uninterrupted. And so if you can immediately go to where is the positive in this, you know, it's, it's, again, it's like training your brain to do that. And so that's one of the things I really try to emphasize. And it's also, um, I think when you are out there Going through life and experiencing things, it's remaining open to receive other information and solutions from people. And so I'm I'm one of those people I refer to as a constant learner. I'm always looking for solutions and new ways to, you know, move through life in a better way, a more positive way. So those are kind of some, I guess, tips that I would give.
0: You also talk in the book about joy. And and that's a, that's a word I've been trying to use a lot more of is, um, you know, finding the joy in life, finding opportunity and finding purpose. And it sounds like, um, that was a big part of your journey is, especially with this book, what is your life purpose continue to be beyond the book? What's, what's the next adventure for you?
1: Well, so I believe that I was put on this planet to lift other people up and, so for me, that's my purpose. And so while I would love to say it could be some great overarching thing, I could write another book, I don't know, maybe I will. But I really believe that for all of us, while we're looking for this lofty purpose, right? We're looking for the, <laughs> to be struck by lightning or something. Oh, there's my purpose. I think it really oftentimes is very little. Again, it's those micro decisions. My purpose is every day, every person that I touch to leave them with, a compliment or a blessing or you know a thank you or a prayer or in some way engaging with them, just seeing them, saying their name, acknowledging them, learning about them, being present for them, that can make such a significant difference in people's lives. And so while it doesn't I guess my message is it doesn't have to be this dramatic thing. It can be just taking the time to hold the door open for somebody who maybe would be overlooked and you wouldn't normally do that. You're saying, I see you. I value you. And that can make a significant difference in somebody's life.
0: It's so interesting. Kindness is the other word I've been focusing on with intention during my meditation and different um, random acts of kindness. I was having my nails done the other day and a young woman walked in who was definitely – more on the broke side of life. And, and I walked over and I said, Hey, can I pay for your nails today? And she started crying. She said, I'm so broke. And, um, she was actually having her nails taken off. Um, and I said, well, you know, my daughter lives in the United States. I never get to treat her to things like this. So, you know, just let me treat you. And, um, those ra- random acts of kindness, just think if we all woke up in the world every day trying to think about how kind we could be to the rest of humans, <laughs> it would it would be a different world, I think, a little bit. It would be different, but it actually, as much as it is transformative
1: to the person that you're doing the kind thing for, it's transformative to you too. I think it, you help, it helps you to see the world differently and you show up differently because if you establish that as a practice, then you're constantly on the lookout for ways that you can practice kindness and make a difference. And wow, I mean, that if more of us did that, this world would be such a better place.
0: So Carrie, really wonderful to meet you. I love meeting fascinating people around the world who are trying to make a positive difference in the world. That's one of the main reasons that I love this podcast is to lift up the stories of people that care about humanity. Uh, My personal vision statement is to leave the world a better place than I found it. And just trying to you know, just trying to do that on a daily basis. Um, As I I joke over here in Australia, I'm just a girl from Kansas trying to trying to make a difference in the world. They all think that's the strangest place I could possibly be from in the United States, by the way. Um, I get a lot of um, a lot of jokes about that. So blooming finding gifts in the shit of life. Um, Give us a couple of more tips from your book to, to, to wrap us up today.
1: Sure. Well, I think I want to hone in on the title actually. And that is one of the reasons I use the word shit (laughs) is because, I mean, first of all, we use it colloquially, right? We say, yeah, I've got so much shit going on. Shit happens. You know, we use it that way, but it's actually a double entendre. And that is that shit is quite literally fertilizer. And it's in the trauma, the messes, the failures, the difficulties of life that we find what we need to bloom into our greatness, and so a big part of what my book is about is embracing all the dirty, ugly parts of ourselves and weaving them into the fabric of who we are and embracing and loving that person.
0: That's amazing. I would have, I would not have picked up on that, um, that play on words there. And I think we, I can't imagine a listener out there that hasn't had something traumatic, difficult, challenging Happened to them. And I think our ability to have the psychological safety to talk about it, I really applaud you. We know that a, a, a huge percentage of females are sexually assaulted in college. Just think about the legacy of thousands, perhaps millions of young women out there that have been through trauma, that have buried it, that have not gone through the grief, that don't realize that the shit is the fertilizer that will help them bloom in life. And um, to turn that thinking, that mindset, that voice in our minds to opportunity. And what can I learn from this? And this whole victim versus Victor, that has really stuck with me because um, it's not to say that as you so aptly put Carrie, we have to go through the grief. We have to, you know, we have to understand that we're going to have bad feelings, But at some point, how do we come out of that and see, have the mindset of opportunity instead of um, trauma? Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Carrie, um, once again, your book, Blooming, Finding Gifts in the Shit of Life. I hope that our listeners will um, go out there and read it. And I have really appreciated the opportunity to meet you.
1: Likewise, i have enjoyed this. Thank you.
0: Interested in hearing more? Visit us at greatnessconsulting.com. Thank you.